And there came a day. A day unlike... Wait. No, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks in... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 266 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I am Brian. How you doing this week, Brian? Uh, tired. I had a super quick trip up to New Jersey and back, and traveling's no fun right now. No, I would imagine not. I I don't love going through the airport under normal circumstances. Yeah. Like... It never bothered me as a kid. It's it's mostly the the September 11th security theater. It it is honestly, like, yeah. Traveling by plane used to be really really fun. Yeah, I enjoy yeah. flying. Yeah. I have no problem with planes. It's literally right. airports. It is. Um, that part of me that just has to be on time and have a buffer to not be stressed about something going wrong and being late. I end up there two hours early. I read almost all of the Jonathan Hickman Fantastic Four sitting waiting to board airplanes in, like, three-hour chunks. Wow. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, my week was not that, though. Uh, <laughs> my week was getting ready for auditions this oh, week. Oh, that's good. Yes, I am producing a show for one of the theaters I work with, production managing a show. Uh, and we are... Revising various processes and production management duties, so I'm kind of piloting that, oh, which okay. is easy enough for me because I helped write the new responsibilities. Sure. So it's mostly just getting some extra things on paper and making sure what's on paper already is clear. But I'm excited to be working on stuff again. I have bought myself new masks and ordered some face shields just to be safe in enclosed spaces that don't necessarily have the ventilation I'd like them to have. Got it. Uh, but yeah, other than that, it's good. Uh, swapped out Switch Joy-Con shells. I showed those to Brian. Yeah, those look those look very very nice, sir. There are photos on my on my Twitter page, but they're nice machined aluminum. I'm excited. But let's talk about comics. Let's do that. Okay, Everfrost number one, written by Ryan K. Lindsay, art by Sammy Cavella, colors by Lauren Atha, and letters by Jim Campbell. This is a book we've talked about a couple of times. I mentioned it last week, and then we talked about it in solicitations. I was excited for it because I like other things Ryan K. Lindsay has written and Sammy Cavella has drawn. I didn't totally know what I was getting into here. Uh, the The solicitation text talked about it being on this kind of... It read as almost sort of post-apocalyptic, but if the apocalypse is fascism, world. Uh, with a woman sort of ready to retire and get off the planet. and All of those things are true, but there are more layers to that that I don't think there's an easy way to communicate in, you know, short solicitation text. Okay. Uh, 
So imagine that kind of, 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 it's almost like a Star Wars planet, right? Like it's kind of a cold Tatooine or something along those lines. Um, feels very grimy, crime ridden, lots of sort of political strife between the sort of thugs ruling the place. And by thugs, I mean, capitalists, yeah. um, the wealthy power class, very frontier world type. Yeah. And then the sort of of more in tune with the world maybe is almost the vibe, uh, uh, resistance. Which, as far as I can tell, the main character has nothing directly to do with. We sort of get these stories in parallel. And what I think separates this and makes this stands out is on top of that sort of very sci-fi pulp feel, there's a very almost detective noir narration that runs through this. Like, two very different kinds of pulp inhabiting the same comic. And that works really well here for me. Uh, the main character is a scientist, an engineer. She's used to asking questions and getting results and testing and doing those things. So turning that into sort of a detective monologue works really, really well here. Uh, she is trying to get off the planet. Also, there are these, like, giant, think think in Marvel terms, celestials. These sort of giant space god alien things that are enormous, and some of their dead bodies are lying around. So she's, at the start of this, trying to investigate one to see if it can give her a way off planet, because... Even after these creatures die, their bodies have these automated defense functions and can still, like, be triggered into producing offspring? You know, it just occurred to me, like, I know the last last year, year and a half, whatever, has been pretty bad for all of us. But I think, I think all the celestial-type uh, entities of the comic world have probably had it worse than anybody. Because they have really, really just been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it doesn't pay to be a giant space god. No, no it doesn't. I mean, at least nobody's like mining, like killing us and mining our dead bodies for parts and stuff like that. So, you know. Um, I don't know. Let's talk about the medical industrial in industry. <laughs> at least at least we still have to volunteer for that though. For the most part. I uh, sure. Um, unless and until we need to buy medication, at which point get ready to pony up tens of thousands of dollars for something that costs 50 bucks to produce. Well, that's a different, that's a completely different issue. That's just money. Yeah. Anyway, but like we said, the capitalist ruling class keeping us oh, down. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I won't run through the nitty gritty of everything that happens in this issue because it's a four issue miniseries and I think it's worth reading for that. But the feel of this world is to me, I think the real selling point sammy cavella uh we've talked about their art on abbott so again kind of a noir style very good at this sort of inky shady things i love lauren affa's coloring in this uh it it feels both bright and cold at the same time uh i don't totally know where this is gonna go either but the the designs and world building and ideas here are super super cool nice Tell me about Basilisk number one, Brian. So this is a new book from Boom Studios. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, it's being written by Colin Bunn. Uh, the art is uh, by Jonas Scharf. Uh, colors are Alex uh, Guimareas, and letters are Ed Dukeshire. Oh, and design is Grace Park. 
this is a book about a group of individuals called, I, I'm assuming, called Chimera. Uh, and one of their members has left them. Um, we really start our story with somebody who is something, something horrible has happened. I don't know if it's to her town or her family exactly, but something horrible has happened to people in her life. And she is tracking down, uh, one of these, one of these members, specifically the one that left. And she's tracking that one down because they left in there by themselves. Uh, she tracks her to this diner and, um, kind of gets the jump on her when she comes out. And this individual, when she comes in, has a uh, veil, essentially, over her. It's like not just a veil, because it's a full cloth covering. He can't see anything through it. Uh, like over the top half of her face. So, you know, it's like anti-COVID masks. Uh, <laughs> I think the word you're looking for is blindfold. I mean, essentially, but like, you know, it comes, she's wearing a hooded thing and it comes down from the hood. So it's like literally the whole top gotcha. half of the whole back of her head and top hat. Anyway, Daredevil original costume. Y yeah. Think more like that. Yes. Um, and so uh, she gets the jump on her, kind of uh, knocks her out. Right. And looks under the veil and we just see a normal, normal face under there. No problem. Uh. She takes her back to a hotel and starts questioning her about, uh, you know, what happened. Was she with th this group of whoever these people are uh, when this happened a few years ago, et cetera? And, you know, essentially the, the, the person that she's talking to is telling her, you, you really don't know what you're getting into. Um, they get attacked by this group, and she's like, I can't believe they found me already. And she's like, oh, it's not them. This is... This is essentially this cleansing cult who has come to kill me. Uh, Oops. Yeah. And so she steps out and lifts up her veil and just essentially obliterates. So clearly the, the term basilisk for this comes from whatever power this is that if they see her face in her eyes, like that's it. Yeah. Uh, they're not turned to stone, but they are, uh, is bad news. <laughs> Um, and she, we see the whole time we see these birds flying through that are clearly eyes for someone, right? Mm -hmm. And on the last page, we see, uh, the bird returning to somebody that's like on the steps of this cabin. And we see three other people around them, two females and two males. Um, and it's clearly the other members of this group that she left. Um. And that's kind of where this one ends. So it, this is uh, very much an in-media res, and it reminds me uh, of, of those introduction stories where, uh, kind of like Witch, Witch Blood, right? Mm -hmm. uh, where you just jump in and we're going to find out things as we go on the fly. Cool. I like that. But uh, I really I really dig this. One of the things I want to mention real quick is the art in this, specifically the colors in this. Um, for the most part, on any given panel or page, they stick to a fairly consistent palette, and usually they're not too bright. But like, for instance, her her cloth covering her face is like this super rich blue purple, like an indigo color. 
and it super pops out. And there's a lot of things like the eyes of the birds, for instance, are red. And there's a lot of things where they, they do a kind of consistent palette and then like one that just really pops out. And I really, really am enjoying that. Cool. Yeah. Crush and Lobo, number one. Written mm-hmm. by Mariko Tamaki. Art by Amanke Nawalpan. Colors by Tamara Bonvillain. And letters by Ariana Mar. You know, uh... I don't think I expected this to be as funny as it is. Right. And I was so pleasantly surprised. Me too. I mean, here's the thing. What wor- here's this is what concerned me. And I won't say I won't I won't go so far as worried is I, specifically when I heard that it was going to be kind of a humorous book. Mm-hmm. I I was afraid it was going to be a Lobo humor book. Gotcha. Right. Which is a different kind of humor than what this ends up being. Yeah, well, and it's funny yeah. to me because I don't, I don't think of Mariko Tamaki as like the funniest comic book writer. No, out there. right. And that may just be the the books I've read of hers. There was X twenty three, and I think I read maybe an issue or two of she did the Hulk run, right? The Jennifer Waters Hulk. Uh, yeah, and. Trying to think. Uh, recently, she is like she's on Detective uh, right now. Right, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and certainly, I think more of her contributions to, uh, the anthology books have been funnier and lighter. But yeah. I think this is the first like full issue I've read that plays in the space, and damn, I like it. <laughs> I do too. I like. Uh, I love this idea of crush being so out of her element but wanting to be better at it and it's this very millennial gen z kind of i think source of humor because so we get two things one mm-hmm. crush narrates the monolo- narrates the the issue to the audience it is direct address monologue and that gives you that sort of insight, almost like, I mean, you can go to Saved by the Bell, you can go to Ancient Roman Farce. Maybe when I say it's kind of a millennial agency, I mean, it's something that's that's that works with younger characters. In this historical moment, it belongs to millennial and Gen Z, but 20, 30 years ago, it belonged to Gen X, right? Mm-hmm. But this idea that the frustration of being a whole human... And dealing in the world when you've been told there are answers and there are no fucking answers, at least not for you. Right. That becomes a source of humor in farce, and this leans into farce, right? Yep. And that well, the, the people that you would expect answers from are people who haven't don't have your experiences. So yeah. Right. Or just, yeah. you know, for for Lobo, her adoptive mothers are in jail and her father is in jail and who can she turn to? She has friends who try to help but don't connect in that way. Right. Uh yeah, I I really dug this. The <laughs> I I am sad for and am rooting for Crush and Katie to patch things together because I love the contrast between them. Yeah, oh, definitely. Was was Katie around in Teen Titans, or is she a new character for this? She is a new character. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, there's, can I say probably my two, I don't want to say favorite things, but two two things that I absolutely love. One is uh, the her Aquaman shirt that she's wearing. <laughs> yeah. Which is the old Super Friends Aquaman on the seahorse. Yeah. Yeah. And the other is when Red Hood comes and... <laughs> to her apartment to have a conversation with her. <laughs> yes. Not Red Hood. I'm sorry, Red Arrow. Red Arrow. Yeah, Red Arrow. 
to have a conversation with her. And that is just, she's, you know, just, just things like, yeah. And don't mention my dad. She's like, I didn't say a word about your dad. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, the art here also fantastic. Amon K. Nawalpan, oh, yes. always great. Tamra Bonvillain, always great. Like bright and colorful and so here for it. Cannot wait for more of this book. This is an eight issue mini series. So, uh, not a long-term commitment, but worth no, reading. Definitely, definitely. Infinite Frontier Secret Files. Yeah. We uh, have two chapters of this to talk about. The first is uh, written by Dan Waters, with art by Stephen Byrne and letters by Tom Napolitano. And this is the Jade and Obsidian chapter, mm-hmm. which may be my favorite so far. Well, I'm, I, I've read all of all-star i'm like i have all of the old all-star squadrons mm-hmm. um where kind of these characters were introduced uh and i've always i've always liked jade and obsidian whereas i am on the opposite end of the spectrum this is probably the longest issue i have read featuring jade and obsidian <laughs> uh they were in what six pages of infinite frontier zero mm-hmm. and i guess obsidian was sort of in future state Swamp, Swamp thing. thing yeah uh in the same way that you might call a lamp a featured character. <laughs> the opposite of a lamp? I mean, an I mean, anti-lamp? It, it turns it's the lights impor- off? It's an important lamp, though. It is. like <laughs> It is, as far as lamps go, kind of, I don't know. You know what? It would be like a lamp in Noc- Nocturna, right? Sure, I was going to go with some sort of lighthouse reference, but that works yeah. too. Yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah. At any rate, uh, this is... <laughs> I like that this focuses kind of on the differences between them in terms of his history and personality. Like if the goal of the secret files issue or chapters is to mm-hmm. kind of introduce some of these lesser known characters, right? this does a great job of doing that, but also like using that to set a status quo and using this one story to kind of, move that status quo forward to a next chapter like it's yeah. introduction and also movement and i i like when a book manages to do both of those things effectively because that's i think a really hard balance it especially is. for characters who haven't been around in a decade well and yeah and they these two are definitely characters that like i said i mean they were they were central on like you know every month would be an all-star squadron but then like that was really it. They just are those characters that every four or five years they just pop up for like one issue of something. And yeah, then, yeah. We also have chapter four, which is about the totality, uh, not the thing that Scott Snyder's run was about, but the secret cabal named after it. Yes. This is written by Brandon Thomas. Art is by Anaki Miranda. Colors by Nick Filardi, and letters by Tom Napolitano. Uh two totalities decide to test their interdimensional breach technology simultaneously. Um, doesn't that kind of discount the fact that either of them are a totality? Well, within their own universe, they're a totality, and one could argue that uh, across the multiverse, if you were to add them together, you would have a totality of totalities. (laughs) I love words. Yes, uh, words are fantastic they are uh (laughs) they of course i love that this starts they've immediately fought and the two martian manhunters are like 
We're both on the same page. You just want to read each other's minds. Yeah, cool. Okay, should we tell them to stand down? Well, we can try. Well, I can get my totality to stand down. Can you control yours? Well, mostly. Mostly. <laughs> okay, as it turns out, I can't control my Vandal Savage either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Superman of Earth-23 shows up. I think he's Earth-23, right? Uh, I believe that's or correct. Or the totality of 20. Calvin Ellis, Superman, shows up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's the same Earth, yeah, same yeah. Superman from their Earth, yeah. Uh, Calvin Ellis shows up, he's like, something's fishy here, I can smell Lex Luthor's bad cologne, and, uh, John, you don't know how to fake scent when you implant false realities. What's up, guys? Yeah. And that turns into kind of a knockdown drag out. Here's what I love about that setup, though. There is an implication... That is not stated, but that I think has a lot of potential going forward. Did you pick up on anything here, Brian? Um, I'm not sure if I know when what you're referencing. The the, the conflict between Calvin Ellis and the totality, or totalities. Oh, yeah. Justice Incarnate and the totality don't know about each other. Correct. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, that seems very rife for possibilities in the future. Right? Yeah. Like, I get maybe they've got slightly different jurisdictions, but at some point they're going to have to cross paths. I, I do. I do like this team, though. And essentially then what we devolve into is Martian Manhunting Hunter questioning each of the members about, you know, are they a traitor to the group? Yeah. Are they plant somehow? Swamp Thing is not on the team, so none of them is a plant. None of them is a plant. Um, I do love, I do love. So essentially what he asked them is, um, he said, you know, when, when you first joined, I asked you, what were your reasons for joining? Right. And so I want you to tell me again, and I want to see if that, you know, if they match. Right. Yeah. And my absolute hands down favorite has to be Lex Luthor. <laughs> yes. He joined literally just so he could prove that he's smarter than Mr. Terrific. Lex, come on. You're not. <laughs> I just love that. Uh, and you can't asterisk him and say, well, he's an alien. He doesn't count. Right. Deal so with good. it. So good. Justice League number 62. We have the fourth part of Prisms, mm -hmm. written by Brian Michael Bindis, art by David Marquez, colors by Ivan Placencia, and letters by Josh Reed. Uh, we get Hippolyta joining the fray. We do, and oh my god, can I say how much I love her in this? She's great. Like, she and Barry both together oh, are yes. pretty fantastic. I love that whole scene. I do, too. I do, too. I love that whole conversation. Uh, and then and then Barry realizing that he, he, he messed up the math. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love that Aquaman gets to drive a tank. I don't care for tanks, but I think it's a funny thing to put a fish man in. Right. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. You realize we just put uh, Aquaman in a tank, right? Yeah. <laughs> in a fish tank. <laughs> yes. He should he should get himself a fish tank, actually. As we say that out loud, like, That's Bendis, hilarious. you can have that one. Oh, <laughs> uh, so good. So good. Uh, we get, we get more of the fight on Naomi's home world mm -hmm. and Zumbado joins, uh, there at the end, which is certainly an escalation. 
it is. I, I love how all of their power, essentially Barry shows up and says, you know, basically we got to go. This is over time. This is like poisoning you like this thing. That's like making mm-hmm. your powers act freaky. Right. Um, and I love, so they've been fighting, uh, who, who is, um, who's the other one that they've been fighting? I can't remember his name. Brutus. Uh, Brutus. Right. They've been like fighting Brutus and like, you know, getting some punches in. He's been getting punches in on that. And then Hippolyta just shows up and he just gone. <laughs> just, that's it. <laughs> just yeah. done. No question whether or not she can hang with the Justice League. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, then Zambato shows up and that's where we're at. Then we have The Trouble with Books. The Justice League Dark Story, written by Rom V, with art by Hermanico, colors by Romulo Fayarda Jr., and letters by Rob Lee. I don't want to spoil my favorite panel of this, but Brian, I suspect you can guess which which panel my meta fourth wall breaking loving ass loved. Well, it's an eight panel page, and it's the one right in the middle. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yes. As it turns out, in a metaphysical library with every book that's ever existed, if you know what book to look for, you can get some useful advice. Can't you, though? Um, and we, which, which we we really basically knew already, um, but like it is explicit and somebody else finds out that what's going on with, with Zatanna. Yeah, well, I... Yeah. I like that we have this moment. One, the delivery is amazing. But two, yeah, yeah. it does give us some connection back to what Rom V had been doing and what James Tynan had been doing prior to this. Uh, but also, I think I think it would have been fair to sort of assume any number of things were up with Zatanna, knowing that this is specifically it, yeah. is, I think, useful going forward. Uh, I do too. The other part of this that has me super excited because I can't wait to see if, is what Merlin is looking for right now is the ruins of ancient Atlantis. Yeah. And if Arion somehow shows up or is involved, I'm going to be real, <laughs> real happy. I would not rule it out. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> I, I love this book so much. I need to. I love I've... that we get both of these great stories in a book every month well and i was gonna say i've been relieved that mostly marvel and dc have stopped double shipping titles yeah mm-hmm. but the way this one is structured i am totally cool with getting two issues a month of this yeah yeah it, and as long as you limit that to just a few books then it's yeah. tolerable it's when it was like you know line wide half of your yeah yeah like detective is also twice a month right now and i'm okay with that because i'm digging that right uh, and it's another one. It's got backups. So, The Nice House on the Lake, number one. Written by James Tynan IV. Art by Alvaro Martinez Bueno. Colors by Jordi Belair. And lettering by Andworld Design. So, this is another book where the solicitation told us the truth, but maybe not the whole picture. Oh my god. I, I, wanna... I, I was blown away how much I liked this book. I was too, and I want to be careful how we talk about this, because I don't want to give more away Okay. at first. Like, we're going to call spoilers and talk about what's really going on. Uh, but what we knew going into this is that this kind of shady dude invites a bunch of people to a party at a lake house. Shady dude, it's Walter. Come on. He's got those shades, though. Those yeah. sunglasses. Oh, that's fair. 
I can't tell if their sunglasses are just glasses that are super highly reflective. I was gonna say they're they're, they're anime villain glasses. They're, yeah, they're, they're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that. Is, there's your best description right there. Yes. Yeah. Um, they are one way mirror glasses or two way mirror glasses. I always forget which because technically, like it seems like it should be a one way mirror. It's a one way mirror. Okay. If it was a two way mirror. We call that a window. <laughs> okay. I don't know. This may come as a shock, but cop <laughs> procedurals are not my thing. It's a two it's a two way mirror. You can see through both directions. That's a that's a that's a window. Or or you can't see through either. Come on, Brian. <laughs> okay. That we call a a mirror. <laughs> that we call two mirrors back to back. Sure. Okay. Uh, okay, uh, anyway. fine. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love fine. it. Um, again, I love words. <laughs> they're, you know, I'm starting to wonder if they're really all they're cracked up to be. Uh, okay, so. Can, can I say how much I was like, I was enjoying the first three pages of this, like, like really, you know, like, it's good. I like, I like how they shifted the colors when they went to the nightclub and all that. And then we get the uh, kind of the text page piece of it with information. And then I turn to that title page. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, that was gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was so beautiful. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm all, I'm just for this, I'm in for this book. Yeah, it's, I mean, okay, so in the, the list of things that Alex usually has trouble getting into a comic for, mm-hmm. the kind of, of, introduction to tons of characters with stat boxes yes that is something i normally struggle with i think this book does it fairly well being honest when i open issue two i know that 90 percent of these characters i will not know who they are unless i get another stat balloon for right but well, i'll be honest here's what i'm hoping um if you so every the stat block of every character gives you know like name age yeah kind of who they are right they they have like a title everybody has a title and then they have like a an icon right yeah and the icon is very very descriptive of who the title is right right like it's a little palette for the artist right right um you know it's very it's super iconographized but it's recognizable easily and i think I'm hoping that when we get into issue two and they start doing things, they just put that symbol there to make it easy to, oh, right, this is this person. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mention this not because I think it's a real hurdle in this particular book, but because I want to say this book does a good job mm-hmm. of introducing these characters. I think recognizing, yes, there are too many characters. I mean, there are 13 characters in this book. No one's right. going to have them in their head after one issue. Exactly. Maybe maybe longtime Legion of Superheroes fans have that mm-hmm. skill. I don't. Uh, but that's not really why anyone's here. Because immediately uh, we see, let's say, some fire and brimstone apocalyptic imagery very early on. Yeah, we do. And... Brian referenced a conversation in a nightclub between a couple of characters, uh, which immediately feels like, okay, how would you destroy the world? Cool. Good job. Good research here. Uh, let me take some notes and come back to you with more questions. Immediately very shady. So, like, you're already asking some very specific kinds of questions 
going into sort of the present day well, of this well, book. I mean, there's one single line in particular that is just like a, oh, that's not a normal response. And that is like, we're going to call spoilers. Okay. We can do that. And that will continue. Okay. Um, he asks her, how, you know, how would you destroy the one? She goes and she talks, gives her, basically gives her response. She's gotcha. talking about how, you know, basically society as we know it would end, but like humanity would continue somehow. Right. Um, but we would say it's the end of the world essentially is what she's saying. Um, and then she, then of course, naturally she asks, well, how would you do it? And his response is, I haven't decided yet. <laughs> yup. Um, that's like, I guess you could take that as a, oh, you just don't know how you would do it if if you were. But, like, it didn't come across that way. Well, that's the thing. How would you do it? Well, I don't know yet. That's one answer. I haven't decided yet. Has a certain yeah, exactly. amount of intention behind it. Doesn't it, though? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then we get these uh, 11 other people who were invited to this nice house on the lake. And and it's a real nice house. <laughs> yeah, it's gorgeous. I would happily live in this house. Indeed. Yeah, and they're all people from Walter's past. Mm -hmm. Either the high school cluster or the college cluster or the more contemporary New York cluster. Right. But many of these are people who Walter has known 16-ish years. Yeah, and some of them are from multiple. Like, that's how he, some of these people he met through other people. It's like, right. oh, he knew this person in high school, and then they were also in New York or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for anyone who has not maybe pieced all the clues together, because again, like, it's hard to even talk about this book without, yeah, and, uh, yeah, some without walking happen. someone to it, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what happens here, Brian? What happens while they're all at the nice house on the lake? Well, um, we know it's at least New York um, is uh, gone. Um, Everyone has just burst into flames. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, China went offline. Nobody's heard from China in like six hours at all. Uh, and then, you know, Walter shows up and essentially tells them all that, oh, yeah, it's not just New York. Um, you know, over the next few hours here, it will be every bit of the entire world except for this lake house yeah i built it for you enjoy i'll be back once you've had time to process yeah congratulations you're the last survivors of the world i like the point where it's like yeah i invited 15 three of them declined which i think they'll end up regretting <laughs> see i don't think they'll regret it because they won't know they won't for long. I was gonna say, okay, maybe they'll regret it for an hour or so. But there's a there's a double page spread that is people's like Twitter feed. Oh, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a uh, what I can't remember the name. There's an app that lists Twitter. It's TweetDeck. Like TweetDeck. Yeah, that's yeah. It. yeah, yeah. Um, there is one tweet in there that's like, oh my god, my skin is sloughing off as I type this. It's sticking to my keyboard. Yeah, send tweet. I'm like, okay. You know what? After the last four and a half years, I absolutely believe people would do oh, that. Absolutely. But like, I I spent just a little too much time, Brian, imagining trying to type something while also having your skin melt off and stick to the keyboard. And Jesus, 
or like the guy who was like, "Oh, yeah, I was actually uh I was actually video chatting with my brother when he burst into flames. Here's the picture of it." Yeah. We were streaming together and my brother's eyes yeah, just it. exploded. That was it. Yeah. Like, good god, man. Oh. I uh did you Well, you're not reading Department of Truth, right? Mm. Okay. There's a little Department of Truth Easter egg on that page too. Oh, is there really? Yeah. Uh, one of the last tweets is from Cole Turner, who's the main character in Department of Truth, about how uh, they oh, knew this was coming. Yep. They've been preparing for it. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, uh, I think I expected some sort of, like, Saw shenanigans in this book. It isn't that. <laughs> no, it's it's not that. Um, you know, lots of questions to answer yeah. now. Uh, I I could not recommend this more, though. Oh no, super super good. This I I will be shocked if this doesn't make our our spectacular. Oh, it definitely will. I will see to that myself. Yeah. Heroes Reborn Roundup. We had yes. Heroes Reborn number 5 out this week. The Pageant of the Masters of Nocturnal Artistry is our main story. It is written by Jason Aaron with art by RM Guerra, colors by Yulia Brusco and letters by Corey Pettit. This is our Nighthawk. Yeah, this whole week is kind of the Nighthawk week. You know, I I do want to say one thing up front, though. I think this is the first group of books where I wish that we'd gotten one issue in a different order. Okay. I wish that... And in fact, they could have, have swapped them. Uh, I wish that maybe, like, American Knights had been last week. Yeah, and that uh, the... young Young Squadron had come out this week. That would make sense, yeah. And the reason I say that is I would have liked the chance to read Double Action before Young Squadron. That would have made... I think that probably would have made more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we can talk about why when we get there. But yeah, yeah. this is... Yeah. This is Nighthawk Week. Uh, it is. Um, sh sh Should I share what I'm doing, Alex? Or should we save it? You know, I... if I'll put it this way, Brian. Hmm. If you are not concerned about life happening and keeping you from delivering this on time, go for it. Okay. Otherwise, I, this I, will be I, a tease. I'm gonna, no, I'm going to fully commit to this. So um, we've already talked about how we're going to do a roundup of, of all the Heroes Reborn stuff after this is over. I am putting together a list of all of the characters and which DC and teams in some cases, right? Like, uh, And which DC group or individual they correspond to <laughs> and in some cases who they represent from the marvel universe also i cannot wait to see this and brian yes as just sort of karmic balance i hope that this ends up looking as insane as that time i tried to plot future state chronologically <laughs> i can guarantee you it will not because this is this is a super like three column thing and it's just <laughs> done. this is this is super because i've already done like 12 of these characters <laughs> okay fine yeah, yes um yeah, and like we open up with one like right on the front. Who 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 is Craven the Hunter, Alex? Uh 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 fuck. Talon. Hush. Oh. oh no, Craven the Hunter is Talon. He's the one he's dressed up like he they call him Raven, right? Oh yeah. I you know what? I'm dumb. I thought he was like in a Nighthawk costume. Oh no 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 no. That, I read it as totally like he's trying a, to yeah. become Batman. Or no, he's, to he's totally Talon from Court of Owls, yeah. 
Oh, uh, see, I, I I read that wrong. See, that's why I that's why I want to put this together because I absolutely love, like this is like my favorite thing about this whole thing is is these is these <laughs> knockoff goofball things. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we we kind of know this from last week. This is nodding to to kind of why I might have liked to couple these in a different order. Who is yeah. our Joker? Green Goblin. I'm sorry, and the Goblin, not Green Goblin, just the Goblin. And that would make Harley Quinn? Uh, Deadpool. <laughs> Which is the best. That, that choice by itself was, was pretty amazing. What um, this means, though, is that I need at some point mm-hmm. Gwynpool to show up as one of two characters. Oh, um, let me think about this. Gwynpool. I've got two good choices, and you're going to like them both. Okay. Who who are they? Superboy Prime. Okay. That's, or... That's pretty good. Or Donna Troy. I do like both of those. <laughs> I do like both of those. Those are both very good choices. I mean, Superboy Prime, you get explicitly the from another world where he has read these comics. Right. Uh, but... Donna Troy, you get the, and I think this would be ridiculous in this timeline. I need to see this in this timeline. Uh-huh. She's read everything, so she knows what all the different universes are and also what is wrong. And like, is like, you're, you're Harley Quinn and you're, and just going through pointing out who all the analogs are, but it all has to be redacted because they can't say that. Well, the, you know, the other thing it gives us. That corresponds with that. Remember, she's terribly afraid that she's going to turn into a supervillain in the future. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. There are, I will say, there's a couple of them that, there's a couple of people that show up that, like, you just aren't given enough time with them to really tell who they might be. Yeah. So, yeah. And then the last thing I'll say about this is, obviously, this is going to be totally my opinion. So, you know, you're free to disagree and think they might be somebody else. But, uh. I uh, I will say we the other analog we get in here, and this will let us segue to American Knights. Yeah, uh, who is our Jim Gordon? Luke Cage, and that was brilliant. I thought I love it. Uh, yes. I said we were going to segue to American Knights, but we didn't talk about the Quest of the Ronin, which is written by Jason Aaron with pencils by Ed McGinnis, inks by Mark Morales, and colors by Matthew Wilson. Uh, this introduces us to this world's version of Ronan, who is not Hawkeye. It is not Hawkeye. Yeah, we saw who Hawkeye was in the one of the one shots last week. Yes. Yeah. Instead, Secret Squadron, Secret Society, Secret Society, something like that. Yeah. Instead, mm-hmm. it is uh, let's say someone who the world does not believe exists. Correct. I like this a lot, actually. I do too. This was this was beautiful. Wasn't there a period of time where this character was Ronan? I do, I do not know. I want to say this character has been Ronan briefly in the past, <laughs> but but it's it's a it's a beautiful choice. Yes. Yeah. All right, now we will segue to American Knights. This is yeah. written by Paul Grist. Art is by Chris Allen with Mark Deering. Colors are by Guru EFX, and letters are by Corey Pettit. Uh, this is one of my favorite of these one shots. I think right. This Both of this super, week's one shots are actually super, super strong. Um, 
Definitely like a Marvel Knights sort of vibe, right? Just the characters we have, the street level crime thing. Completely. Uh, we get Commissioner Cage, mm-hmm. whom Nighthawk warns, you know, people people are mad at you. You you had better uh take care because you're not bulletproof, which oh my god. Mm-hmm. How good is that? Mm-hmm. Uh we also meet uh well, we learn that there is a vigilante in the shadows killing criminals who are all devout mephisto worshipers mm-hmm. uh mephisto mephistism mm. sure mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> no nope, church nope, of mephisto it, it, nope it's canon now that's it it's mephistism <laughs> mephistism is the dominant re- religion <laughs> It makes 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 me curious if why they didn't have uh, Iron Man and Power Fist in this. <laughs> There's a callback for all of yeah. our long time listeners. If no one else appreciated it, I did. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, cleric Matthew Murdoch yes. is a priest of priest of Mephistism. <laughs> <laughs> These pauses are waiting for Brian to stop laughing. I can't. It's great. Every time I say it, we start again. Uh, <laughs> yes. We also meet, I'm going to say maybe the Bullock and Montoya. Yep. I, I, I already have them down as Bullock and Montoya. <laughs> and yes. who are Bullock and Montoya? Uh, uh, it's it's Misty Knight and, uh, and uh, um, Jessica, Jessica Jones. Jones. Yes. And I mean, now getting that you're mapping those two to those characters, it should be painfully obvious who the Bullock is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who's the one that drinks too much? <laughs> I, uh, uh, has a, has a uh, mouth problem. Yes. I also like the little, weren't you two kind of a, nah, maybe in another world. Yes, exactly. Oh, um, so, so beautiful. Yes. Yeah. And then, uh, finally, Heroes Reborn, Marvel Double Action, number one. Written by Tim Seeley, pencils by Dan Jurgens, inks by Scott Hanna, colors by Chris Sotomayor, and letters by Corey Pettit. This is the one I wish I had gotten before Young Squadron. Because, well, I think I probably would have eventually said, oh, this is what this issue's building toward. Right. I would have liked to have that reveal in the issue. Um, and I think there are yeah. a couple reasons for that. Because sometimes I do like we we talked about with the Star Jam or not the Star Jammers the Hyperion mm-hmm. uh, one shot that I guess it was Hyperion and the yeah yeah uh, it was the one with the Star Jammers backup yeah, anyway yeah, it's it's the one where he's part of the the Imperial yeah Imperial Guard, Guard. yeah yeah like in that one I kind of liked having the brood thing hanging over it but I don't know the way that they really went to lengths to make this issue and we should talk about the art in this one. make this issue look period to the 60s i really wish we'd kind of gotten to live in that moment rather than sort of expecting it agreed and like literally this is like if at the bottom of the very first page right is the originally presented in nighthawk number 126 like it's totally done as a modern reprint of a you know golden age story yeah right and I, I want to say, I, I'm not saying this is a criticism of this issue. I just, the publication order, I'd have yeah. done a little differently. I still think this is a great read. 
I like that. I like that while we're presenting this as a story from, I guess it would probably be the early seventies if it was issue one twenty six, and we're sticking to kind of the original Marvel timelines. But mm-hmm. whatever. Um, Jurgens and uh, Jurgens and Scott Hanna and Chris Sotomayor mm-hmm. have, and you can find interviews online about this. Very intentionally tried to use period art techniques to make this look as much like an old comic as possible. And I appreciate that, like, they don't go totally for color. They use sort of style choices to keep yeah. uh, and keep more modern color palettes. It's, yeah, it's not, not for color, but it's very flat coloring. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I think, I think it finds a good balance between being modern but feeling, period. Yes. And that extends to the writing, which does not really push being overwritten as far as it could. And I think that's a good thing here. I, I do, too. It is very, very much a a nod and stylistic uh, homage to that without mm-hmm. it actually being that. Yeah, you get... Yeah. You get moments where it knocks up against it, and I think you get a lot of sure, like sure. internal monologue, uh, or sort of characters talking to themselves, or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's not the whole, you know, we're going to take up a third of a panel with a text balloon that's, you know, period, period dialogue. Yeah, and you know, lots more editor boxes than yeah than you would have in a modern day book. Yeah. Uh, I also appreciated the little like gutter captions that ran throughout advertising yes. different things that don't yes. exist. Uh, up to and including that time Marvel adapted the Bible, except now it's the books of Mephisto. <laughs> yes, like this is just this is just beautiful. Yeah. I I I loved everything about it. Did you happen to read any of the uh, any of the letters page? I skimmed, but it was kind of late yesterday, and I, I was sort of yeah. I, trying I did to get too. I stuff. just read the the last one in particular. I thought was was pretty damn funny. So it's like you know they, they talk about how oh you know these are all from issues five or six months ago because you know. There's no no such thing as instant mail communication, so we gotta <laughs> wait for letters to come to us. And it, there's somebody who's like, "Oh, I'm new to comics completely, and you know, uh, I've got some questions. You know, I've read oh, this issue. I think I questions. did note. I think I did notice who sent this letter in. Yeah, it, if it, it's the one it, I'm thinking of, it's from a, an age nine Jason Aaron. Yes, <laughs> that that I loved. Yes. I mean that was part of it, and then and then he asked like five questions, and the the two that I specifically love, right, are um one is you know oh my dad said he read about this character called Captain America in World War Two, but like what's happened to him? And he's like oh yeah no he nobody's heard from him since then. Uh, maybe some writer will pick him up someday and do something with him. <laughs> and then the other is why is everybody in the letters always asking for a no prize? And it's well if we're being honest. We made an offhand joke about giving out no prizes once, and now we are harassed day and night by legions of eager fans who make it impossible for us to move on and who occasionally make demands for what is literally nothing so vehemently that we wish we were dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, I love the metafiction in that that makes it so that Jason Aaron, writing Heroes Reborn, has reintroduced... Captain America, just as a nod 
to his father talking about these comics or his yeah. grandfather talking yeah. about these comics. It, it, like that was that was a just a a brilliant little like you got to yeah. look for it touch. Yeah. Moving on. Mm-hmm. Iron Man annual number 1. This is written by Jed McKay, art is by Ibrahim Roberson, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters by Joe Caramagna. So Brian and I were talking a little bit about this book ahead of recording while we were working on our notes, and I uh, will point out what what we discussed. You really don't need to be reading Iron Man to read this. Uh, this is not so much a part of what Christopher Cantwell is currently doing. It's not really a part of that at all. Uh, as much as it is, really, you could think of this set of annuals that are all branded as Infinite Destiny as kind of their own mini series. Uh really like this one this one references some things actually that have been going on in Miles Morales Spider-Man, but beyond that, you can pretty much read them on their own. After Infinity War, Infinity Wars plural. Uh after Infinity Wars a couple of years ago, the stones were destroyed and all of the energies in them went and possessed different people. And we've seen some of those people uh, we've seen Overtime and Star before. And I think there's at least one other who we've met but have not learned that he's connected to this. Uh, this is our introduction to a character called Quantum, who has the powers of the space gem. Oh, I thought you were going to say he could leap. Well, uh, sort of. We'll talk about what Quantum can do in a moment. Uh, he is in the employ of the Assessor. So at the top of this issue, Miles and Iron Man are fighting off Moloids in what is my favorite Moloid scene ever now. Uh, there's an entire generation of Moloids who have only known peace and have heard their parents' stories of invading New York and have grown up on syndicated sitcoms. And they all show up in Times Square. No, not even Times Square. They all show up in Brooklyn because they don't know the difference between Brooklyn and Manhattan. They all show up in Brooklyn wanting to see like the the coffee shop from Seinfeld and Kramer's apartment and the park from Friends they're not here to invade they're here as tourists oh my god so iron man like calls tour buses and food trucks and gets them taken care of and miles is like you just throw money at problems look and iron man has this great response of look i will throw money at the problems that can be solved by throwing money at them because that gives me so much more time to focus on the other problems. That can't be solved that way, yeah. Right. Oh my god. That and is... that that leads to Miles and Iron Man, who are just sitting on the rooftop, which you don't really picture Iron Man doing much. Right. Um, just sitting on the rooftop talking. And Miles is like, yeah, so you're the science guy, right? All you Avengers have a different area. You're the science one. Do you know anything about this guy called the Assessor? And proceeds to tell tony about the assessor kidnapping him and running tests on him and experimenting on him into like within an inch of his life this is the same plot that's going on right now with the the clone saga and tony takes it on himself to find the assessor and test or not test take down the assessor and uh who assesses the assessor tony stark as it turns out (laughs) um and quantum is in the assessor's employ and we get kind of the fight between tony and quantum uh it does not explicitly like show any connected dots between what's happening what's going on where all these stones are going 
we do have a backup with Nick Fury Jr. who's maybe going to be that connecting thread that runs mm. through all eight of these. It was a really great issue. I dug it a lot. I really enjoyed the way Jed McKay wrote Iron Man and Ibrahim Roberson and Rochelle Rosenberg's art in this is really, really phenomenal. I, I gotta say, I'm kind of pleased to hear that it didn't tie in with the Iron Man story just because that means then that I can pick up these eight annuals without having to worry about whether I'm reading the actual series. Yeah, I think all of them that's going to be true of, uh, to varying degrees. Like, obviously there are things that, and you wouldn't even know this going in, you don't need to have read Miles Morales' Spider-Man mm -hmm. to get what's going on here, although you should because it's amazing. Um, it's a poor choice because amazing Spider-Man's Peter Parker, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Words words uh but like i know that there are different characters who will show who have shown up other places and maybe introduced some ideas who will pop up in these but if this one's any indication they expect that people will read these and need the context given as they go and this one did a really good job of giving you what you needed to know uh none of which has anything to do with iron man <laughs> now brian yes i would like to play a game with you here we go so you will recall from infinity wars okay the idea that the six stones, because they were destroyed after, they were destroyed during Hickman's Avengers run, and then they showed up again, and they worked differently, and that was the Guardians run that read up, led up to Infinity Wars. And the way they worked differently was, one stone powers up the next stone in sequence. So the Soul Gem unlocks more power from the Mind Gem, and the Mind Gem unlocks more power from the Power Gem. And the power gem unlocks more from the space gem, space from time, time from reality, and reality, salt, back to complete the loop. Okay. Is this... Does this sound like anything to you, Brian? Oh, well, the thing that immediately came into my head is fear leads to hatred, and hatred leads to anger, and anger is the path to the dark side, whatever that whole... Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. There you go. Uh, which is one of my favorite Star Wars quotes, yes. and it's from fucking episode two. I mean... Anything can have good good lines in it. Hey, half of episode two is a great movie. The other half is a good fair. nap. That's, that's, yeah. Uh, anyway, this is not a question about Star Wars. Let me, let me phrase this a little differently, Brian. If I were to talk about a group of six powers linked in a circuit to have a greater effect than anyone individually, what would you think of? Uh, something I have very little experience with, but it sounds like Power Rangers. You are being willfully obtuse, and I know it from the look on your face. What, that's not it? It's not how Power Rangers work. Okay, um, let's see. Um, abilities greater than the sum of its parts. Gee, I don't know, who is, it? who is it, Alex? So I read this, I'm like, God damn it, Al Ewing, and I opened up sword number one. I'm like, let me make sure that these are not six mutants in a circuit who correspond <laughs> to the Infinity Gems. And they're not. Okay, but good. Brian, here is my question for you. Yes, what would happen if six mutants, whose powers corresponded to the Infinity Gems, tried to do the whole like mutant circuit thing and recreate the power of the entire Infinity Gauntlet on their own? Um, sounds like based on what we've read about um how mutant how mutant um combinations are working currently that they could probably do it do you think the avengers have thought of this yet are they terrified of this i have so many questions about this idea and i really hope like i can't imagine that 
No, here's Ewing the and Hickman and that whole group won't put this idea together. At some I point. don't know. I don't know that anybody outside of Krakoa has realized this whole mutant circuit thing yet. So let's play a game. Okay. Mind Jim. That one's going to be easy. There are like 18 different options. I'm going to say Jean Grey just because Omega level. Sure. I could go with Jean Grey. Uh, um, Quentin Quire's another possibility, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, Charles Xavier. Yeah. Sure. Power Jim. Yeah. I've got uh, two choices here, but I, I, I will give you the first shot at this one. Oh, um, well, this is, and I can't, uh, uh, there's Fabian Cortez, right? Fabian Cortez was one of the two I had. Yeah, and then who just replaced him from Morocco? We, oh, I mean, uh, is, uh, Fireheart? Uh, Flameheart? Flame, yeah, whoever that, I can't. Okay. I uh, the other the other one I thought of was Bishop. Yes, yeah. I think Space and Time are easy, Manifold and Tempest, respectively. Sure. Well, that's just it, right? A lot of these do correspond to who's in Sword right now. Some of them do. Then we get to some others, like Reality. There's yeah. no correspondent to Reality in Sword. No. No. But uh, there is in New Mutants. Well, or there's Legion. Well, I actually have Legion on a different one, but okay. Legion would make sense here too. Sure. Uh I'm thinking Cosmar. Yeah, sure. Mhm. Soul is the hard one. I've got two, Legion is one of them. The other one I have is Hope. R- remind me specifically what the Soul Gem's power is. Uh so from the the graphic in Iron Man annual mm-hmm. powered by the user's mastery of reality can preserve the soul to allow for life after death. Uh, and then the mind description powered by the user's mastery of soul can grant telepathy or intelligence. Okay. So that's kind of why I went with hope because hope's whole, thi- whole thing is she mimics other powers. The other thing you could say is they could somehow incorporate Cerebro into that. And it could be function as that. The whole, you know, backing up mutants yeah. so that they can, yeah, yeah. Um, you've got Sinister who's cloning people right now. But see, I feel like Legion's a good choice here because it Legion is. does yeah. have like multitudes within him, mm-hmm. and certainly has built his own reality. Oh, this is absolutely true. Yeah. So, like that, that connection would make some kind of sense to to some um, you. Also, wow, this could get super messy super fast, but you've also got somebody like Rogue, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or what about, what about like Ileana? Because she's got the whole connection to hell and demons. You could interpret that several ways, I think. You could. Yeah. So what are the odds that at some point we're going to get X-Men, the the Xfinity gauntlet, if you will? Oh, the Xfinity gauntlet. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, it comes pre-named. I like it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but the reception's a little spotty sometimes. Yeah, they... <laughs> nice. Um, uh, and it has the worst customer service. <laughs> oh, you're not wrong there. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, X-Corp. Exactly. Um, God, no, I, I, I think it's brilliant. I mean... Obviously, they had to plan it out for like three years from now because they've already got storylines lined <laughs> up until then. But I absolutely love this idea. And um, yeah, like literally that would terrify. That wouldn't just terrify like the Avengers. Uh, like you're talking like the Kree, the, the you know, the, the Shire, like everyone uh-huh. that's out there would be horrified by this idea. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love it. Speaking of spotty receptions, nice. it's time for the Hellfire Gala. Nice. <laughs> well done, sir. Thank you. I'm, I'm proud of that one. Uh, we will begin with Marauders number 21. However, Emma would take high offense at the fact that you think her gala is spotty. I mean, I don't know. By the end of the night, I don't think she'd disagree. Well, that might be true. Uh, Marauders number 21 sets the stage for this. It is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Matteo Lolly, colors by Edgar Delgado, letters by Corey Pettit, and design by Tom Muller. So I want to talk a little bit about the structure of this. Yes. Before we get further into it, because I was surprised by it, and I think it's very smart. Um, it is not exactly like... Ten of Swords. No. Where no, each not. issue is a chapter in a particular order. I think if you're not reading the whole line, you could maybe get away with only reading the books you're reading and maybe grab the Marauders issues that tie in. Yeah, I think the Marauders issue are probably going to be the, kind of the, the key central yeah. piece. Well, actually... That you, and probably X-Men of, number 21 well, would be a big piece, too. Specifically, if you look in the... in You know how in the back of all the X-Books they have the list of what's coming out when and what the yeah. order is? If you look, there are some that are in red. There are some in red. I didn't and think I get, about that. Yeah, being, I get the feeling yeah. that those are, your, those are your key issues. So those are Marauders 21, X-Men 21... Mm -hmm. Planet Size X-Men 1, and Sword Number 6. Yep. Um, and yeah, I guess there's only the one Marauders issue, so that makes right. sense. That, And if if what I'm guessing is the case is the case, it makes sense that those four issues would be the four issues. Mm -hmm. uh, we see the beginning of the night, and maybe some moments through early in the night in Marauders, and then the very end of the night, where all of the diplomats cannot leave quickly enough. And uh, one of Krakoa's allies, when asked to speak the truth or compelled to speak the truth by Emma, basically, so no, basically says, oh, no, everyone's going to hate you after this. Yeah. Congratulations. You've succeeded in uniting the world against you. You've succeeded in uniting the world. Yeah. Against you. Yes. So something clearly goes wrong this evening. Yes. We do not know what. No. Uh, we can maybe speculate in some ways, because we know that upcoming is the trial of Magneto, and if there are three laws, and one of them is kill no human, there are a lot of humans in the room tonight. You sure are. And I don't think the law they broke is, is not making more mutants. I think that was kind of suspended just for this evening. Although, well. Maybe not. I don't know. There, we certainly see a few people who are at least a little flirtatious throughout this. Uh, oh, there's yeah, there's one in particular I want to point out because I thought that was just hilarious. Which one is that? <laughs> the fact that Emma was fantasizing over Steve Rogers, <laughs> <laughs> and then her disappointment when she she <laughs> checks to see if he's interested in the same way. Beautiful. Yes. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, her face when the other the other thing is her face when the Shire person shows up and says Yeah. It's just Yeah. Um There's so I, I love how many small moments there are in this that just could easily escape you. Well, and that's it. Like this feels like an issue composed of moments. It does. Oh, it and yeah, it doesn't just feel that way, it is. One hundred percent. Extending that, and this is 
kind of the structural note, right? These other issues that tie in feel like other collections of moments. Some mm. some more cohesive, like maybe X-Force, and some more similar to, to Marauders, like Hellions. Mm-hmm. But these are very much the moments that relate to the characters in those books across this night. Yes. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I love, there, like, there's one, the Fantastic Four show up, right? Mm-hmm. And Charles is like, oh, I'm so glad you came, and I'm so glad you came, Reed. I didn't know if you would come after, you know, our last confrontation with each other, you know, our last meeting with each other. And uh, Reed says, essentially, yeah, um, and I wanted to say this to your face and goes up and whispers something to him. Mm -hmm. And now, of course, I'm absolutely dying to know what that was. Oh, I can tell you it's Gore was right. Mm. That's the thing Nick Fury whispered in Thor's ear during... original sins to make thor drop the hammer that yes and become jane picked up yeah yes Mm -hmm. i know you know this brian that's more for anyone who's like what the fuck alex got it i try to anticipate those moments i get enough of them in my life uh yeah but we get you know we get a performance and we get uh some backroom dealing uh, we get the thing realizing that it's gambling time. <laughs> <laughs> Doom, like, hates every moment of being here. Yes. <laughs> to the point that, like, if I didn't know he was going to be off in space, I would wonder if that's not who Magneto kills in this. Um, so, so, little, little, little how the sausage is made here. Um, I absolutely thought I had my uh, quote of the week locked down from this issue. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, and then Red Hellions, which gave, gave me... <laughs> a different one um, <laughs> but it was totally <laughs> totally um doom showing up and saying you know basically i feel like you're here just to show your superiority right and and literally emma goes victor mutants are not are here we're not going anywhere you acted as though we announced that we've conquered the earth and literally at that moment someone from shire shows up and says emma frost on behalf of the shire empire we would like to congratulate Mutant on conquering your home planet. <laughs> <laughs> and the look on her face is just the best. Well, and I love, like, if what I think we're going to get in this is right. Mm-hmm. I love the context of that as a throwaway joke actually being maybe more true. Yes. Yes. So good. Do we want to switch gears to X-Force now? Yeah. Uh, other than uh, other than, I'll just say Emma. Emma absolutely did look stunning in this book. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So X Force number twenty nine, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Joshua Kassara, colors by Guru EFX, letters by Joe Caramagna, and designed by Tom Muller. This one probably feels the most like a continuous story mm-hmm. of these three issues. And we get a thread that I did not expect to return brought back here, which is uh, Beast's accidental conquest of Cape Verde. Oh, like, and here's the thing. This is one of those things that we knew when it happened. It was really bad and was going to come back and be even worse. Mm-hmm. And by, by the way, this may very well lead to what the incident is. Yeah, that, it yeah, might. Yeah. Uh. We should also note, if you're thinking of picking this issue up, you do need to read the Wolverine uh, Hellfire Gala issue, because this continues directly into it. That is true, yes. Uh, but yeah, I again, this is, this 
in addition to that storyline, really the the framing device is it is it's tracking uh, X Force who is functioning as security for this event. Yes, and uh, we have Beast puppet puppeteering uh, the Cape Verde delegation and trying to use their telefloronics to infect other diplomats so he can control them. Beast well, or, and put bugs into like the yeah. Avengers man, the Avengers, uh, you know, headquarters and yeah. other embassies and yeah. Beast, my dude, come on. So, like, has he completely lost touch with how the world works? Apparently, and like, I totally buy it. Like, Beast as authoritarian makes sense in a very twenty twenty one kind of way. Yeah, but like, but it's heartbreaking. Do... How do Charles and Magneto and Emma not already know this and have pulled him from that position? I mean, we get explicitly in this issue, right? Yeah. Charles asks, Beast, what are you up to? And Beast says, you already said you're better off not knowing. Have you changed your mind? And Charles is like, no, I guess you're right. Oh, but... Ugh. Yeah. Well, let's uh, just say somebody finds out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Beast is also probably going to have to answer for this at some point. Yes. We um. also get, I love, <laughs> what, he's also a dick to Domino, who I love in this issue. Mm-hmm. But I, I love, great. I love Domino here, and I love Wolverine, who wants to be assigned away from the party because all the cologne is driving him crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, dealing with a party crasher. I did not expect this party crasher. It made me so happy. I didn't either, but it makes complete sense. It does, and it's perfect, and it's a great, like, comedic beat among the heavy, like, morally black espionage stuff. Yep. We we get, uh, well, so he's not a mutant, but he's an honorary mutant. So he <laughs> should be invited to get shit-faced at mutant parties. <laughs> yes. That is, of course, Deadpool. Uh, yes. Domino gets the drop on him eventually, though. Oh, my God. I love, I, especially given in the last couple of years, their history. Right. Uh huh. And how much we know Wade cares for Domino. Right. Yeah. I love that she just shows up and just takes him out. Yeah. Just done. She's like, yeah, shut up. You'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Deadpool even asked the line We're two basically immortal healers. Yeah. We don't have to pull any punches. Yeah. yeah and, and then we have. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah. And then Emma has a conversation with Sage. Yes. A very uh, important conversation. With <laughs> and um, so Sage tries to um, correct a error in judgment and is unable to, which is not good. No. No. And then, oh my God, did you read the, the, the text page that had the quote for the issue? Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, the Deadpool quote at the end? Yeah. Yeah, it was perfect. You, you know you want it. You know you want me in you, X Force. <laughs> oh, then we have Hellions number twelve. Uh-huh. Written by Zub Wells, art by Steven Segovia, colors by David Curiel, letters by Ariana Marr, and designed by Tom Moeller, featuring Brian's quote of the week. Quote so, quote. So you're clearly gonna ask, how the hell given those two, how are how do you have something that is better than that? And the answer is, of course, that we have two text pages in this that are the cuckoos who are 
uh, kind of surface level monitoring people's thoughts just to make sure, or actually, as they describe it, they are um, pre-gathering evidence in case something should happen. Yeah, they're like on a, a modern day video game console, how they're like perpetually recording a few seconds ahead of what you're doing. Exactly. So that if you hit the capture button, you've got that. Exactly. Um, and essentially, we get the conversation amongst themselves for this. Nanny tries to kill uh, Sinister, right? Uh, and they're, conversa- they're, they're having a conversation. It's like, girl, I know it's a party, but your kid is tearing the place up. Put the drink down. She's talking about uh, Nanny. <laughs> and Celeste goes, you don't tr- and don't try to murder Sinister in front of the humans. It's cringe. And so, uh, Sophie goes, yeah. Do you think you uh, do you think there's more to that? Maybe those two. No, stop. No. And so because I'm kidding, she's not his type. And Mindy goes, what is his type? Sophie himself. Why do you think all this cloning is about? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Because. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Who is this type? Himself. <laughs> that is the most sinister thing I may have ever heard in my life. It's true, though. I detect no lies. I know. I know. Which makes it all the more horrifying and funny. Uh, but yeah, essentially this is um the fact that Sinister and Havoc and um, Quanon are invited to the Hellfire Gala. And the rest of the Hellion team is not. So they crash the party. So they decide to show up anyway. Yeah. Way more effectively than Deadpool, might I add. Way more effectively, yes. Um, But maybe not to any better result. No, that's true. Well, if they had, like, kept their shit together and not all gotten shit-faced and caused scenes... I think everyone would have let him stick around. I think underdressed as they might have right. been. Um, Alex, did you notice who else got shit faced at this gala? Who's that? Uh, Nightcrawler. Yes. <laughs> and he's literally at one point leaning over Nanny and going, "The three laws. That's the key that equalizes. They they can become the unifying center of our new. Like he's just spouting all of this." philosophical like college freshman at a kegger yes it's so good uh and i love that polaris pulled havoc aside um you know what i i I did not think i would love to see them at the very least become friends like that would be uh that Mm -hmm. would be super cool uh yeah i i liked all of this though i liked all of this no uh, so far, Hellfire Gala, fantastic. Yes, yeah, I'm I'm all for this. Uh, I'm all for this party. Is it still good? Batman number one hundred nine, Brian. Uh, yeah, essentially, this is uh, more information. Um, with Bruce trying to to figure out what's going on with Scarecrow and how he's tied into Simon Saint. Um, and then uh. We get the backup uh, uh, of the Cowardly Lot, which is, uh, I'm sorry, not the Cowardly Lot, of uh, 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 Ghostmaker um, and his story on uh, the Dinosaur Island. Yeah. Batman Catwoman number five. Uh, 
this is uh, mostly, I would say, this is uh, the modern-day Selena, and someone shows up very, very upset that she has killed Joker, and that is Harley, uh, mostly because then she didn't get to kill him. <laughs> so we get old woman, old woman, Catwoman, and old woman Harley uh, having it out, uh, and then uh, yeah, good stuff. Crime Syndicate number four gives us the first part of, I guess, our second story of this miniseries: First in War, First in Pieces, Part One, Emerald Light. So basically, two things are going on here. The Emerald Knight, John Stewart, has put Coast City under a dome to protect it and keep it safe. As Lex Luthor decides he needs to bring together a team and recruit any uh, uh, metas who will help defend the Earth as things get more chaotic. That brings Sinestro onto the table, who basically has repelled against the oppressive yoke of Oa and thinks that Hal Jordan has the potential to also uh do the same. So I like the kind of parts and pieces that this is putting together. The backup walls closing in is our history of this John Stewart and sort of how he originally succumbed to this ring. Tell me about DC Horror Presents The Conjuring The Lover number one. So in spite of having probably the longest name of the week, um this is a a new so DC Horror Presents is kind of a new uh imprint. Um uh, or I, I guess DC Horror is the imprint. DC Horror Presents is just the uh, this one. Um, this has got an ongoing main and then a backup uh, short story to it. Uh, real quick, the ongoing main is uh, being written by David Johnson uh, McGoldrick and Rex Ogle. Art is Gary Brown and colors is Mike Spicer. Letter is Becca Carey. Um, and then specifically, I want to mention the backup story, which is Tales from the Artifact Museum, The Ferryman, is written by Scott Snyder with art by Dennis Coe and color is Chris Sotomayor and letters are Becca Carey. Um, th this main story is uh, going to be – I'm not going to be long. I'm going to be super quick about this um, but because it's the number one um, – about this college girl and something is stalking her. And th that's going to be, I think, a through story through all of these. And then uh, – the backup story in this was actually the one that was really good. Like it by itself, it reminded me of like a old witching hour short story, you know, that's just like within itself and that's it. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I, I like this so far. This is, this may well end up on our spooktacular as well. We had green lantern number three this week. Uh, we basically get two pieces to this story. The first follows John Stewart marooned on, an alien planet, no real technology, no real space flight. Rings are down. Uh, we get some supporting characters in that story who I think are super cool as well. And then we jump back to uh, sort of the, the recovery effort on Oa, which is being spearheaded by the United Planets. And Joe Mullane, who is sort of the one functioning Green Lantern, the one Green Lantern left with a functioning ring who's been pressed into uh, the role of council member because the Green Lantern Corps Oa had just been accepted. So they need a representative, and I guess is the one person left. She's it. Uh, we see where Simon's at. We see where uh, Kelly is at. And, and 
sort of get an idea of maybe what this will be going forward. The next Batman, Second Son, number three. We've talked about these chapters before in digital. They're out in print now. Uh, we, we see pieces of Jace continuing his mission uh, in Gotham, as well as sort of his history uh, leading to kind of how he got to where he's at. Uh, we also learned uh, this week, when we talk about solicitations, we will mention that there is a uh, continuation of this that's been announced called I Am Batman that will pick up where Second Son leaves off. All right. Uh, also written by John Ridley. Suicide Squad, number four, Brian. Um, Red X proves that he can uh, pretty much own Waller anytime he wants. <laughs> um, I do want to take just a second, Alex, and uh, get your update on Red X and who you think, if, if you have any change on who you think he might be. Um, I still really like my Earth 3 theory. I, I like it even more after this issue specifically i'm i'm now really thinking dick grayson from earth 3 yeah like dick or tim or damien like i i if it's damien it's an older damien um, yeah or honestly you know who'd be a really interesting choice if we're talking earth 3 hmm. jason um you know what like, I, I would say my two probably most likely ones would be either jason or dick just because there's a couple of th- places like where he's kicking peacemaker mm-hmm. that are just super super nightwing or red hood style yeah kicking and fighting like they they just they just fit them very very well um and the only reason I might lean a little bit more toward Dick Grayson at this point is uh there's definitely some technology tricks involved sure. which tend to be a little more Dick Grayson than Jason Todd yeah. So, but we'll see. The Swamp Thing, number four. Brian, I am taking some revenge and making Brian do a bunch of these this week. No, that's great. I love it. Um, uh, This is, uh, we, we find out why Alex Summers is in the green talking to Levi here. Alec uh, Holland. Oh, who does I say? Alex, Alex Summers. Summers, who is <laughs> who is not Havoc. in this book at all. He's he is, although you know he's very definitely in with the whole plant thing with Krakoa at this point. It is not not this. You know, <laughs> jet lag doesn't normally affect people flying in the same time zone, uh, but uh, I I think there might be some of that going on now, Brian. Hey, words are hard. <laughs> words. I'm telling you, words not all they're cracked up to be. That's right. Sometimes words mean things. A lot of words are two different words. Um, so Mephisticism. yeah, Alex, Hall, Alex Holland is in here. Um, we find out why, and he's talking to Levi, and we find out what that's about. Uh, Levi definitely, with a little help from from someone we've met, we knew was here, uh, kind of comes into his power a bit. Shall we? With say? a little help from his fronds. There you go. Uh, and um, we find out that. You know, of course, Jason Woodrow isn't completely the um, beneficent person that he is appearing to be, but he's, like, always not the worst either. Like, he could be, yeah. He's always scheming. He's not always acting on those schemes. Yeah. Yeah. The Amazing Spider-Man, number 67. Uh, Remember that time Peter helped another scientist build a computer that could predict outcomes infinitely and thereby predict the future i do remember that i also remember us saying that that was probably going to end up being a bad thing 
Uh, yeah. Remember the uh, super villain and the flying, basically helicarrier running a casino. Mm-hmm. Remember the shady people taking over Simcaria against the Silver Sables. Uh, preferences, I guess. I do remember all of this. Yeah, it turns out they're all connected, and maybe a machine that tells the future is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe so. The Immortal Hulk, number 47. Uh, we add probably the final Hulk who's been missing to our menagerie. Uh, our Hulk menagerie. Our no. Hulk menagerie. Nice. Uh, Jennifer Walters uh-huh. joins the fray. Excellent. This week's books. Yeah. As far as number ones go, it's a short list this week. It is. We have from DC, DC Pride number one, mm-hmm. written by a fantastic lineup. James Tynan IV, Steve Orlando, Vita Ayala, Mariko Tamaki, Sam Johns, Danny Lohr, Cena Grace, Nicole Maines, who plays Dreamer on the CW's mm-hmm. Supergirl, and Andrew Wheeler. Art is by Chung Lee Wynn. Stephen Byrne, Skylar Patridge, Amy Reader, Klaus Jansen, Lisa Stirl, Rose Stein, Ted Brandt, Rachel Stott, and Luciano Vecchio. Colors are by Jose Villarubia, Marissa Louise, Dave McKegg, Enrica Aaron Angelini, and Rex Locus. Letters by Aditya Bidikar, Josh Reed, Ariana Marr, Tom Napolitano, Becca Carey, and Steve Wands. And pinups by Alejandro Sanchez, David Tulaski, Brittany Williams, Kevin Wada, Chris Ankin, Nick Robles, and Sophie Campbell. And a partridge in a pear tree. Yes. There you go. Yeah, there's a lot. They've been running the uh, the, the previews ads for this and all the all the back the back matter of all the comics this week. I can't I can't wait. This is gonna be a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah, this should be should should be some good stories out of this. And uh, if you followed the social media poll DC put out trying to, like, pick a project without attaching creative teams, and then in the second round they announced some creative teams, uh, that would get a a miniseries, one of those books was JLQ, which was going to be an all-queer Justice League roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one was knocked out by Robbins in the first round, uh, so we never learned officially that creative team. But Andrew Wheeler uh, is the writer on that. I think Luciano Vecchio was the artist. Uh, the The story they are doing in this issue is... Basically, your backdoor pilot for JLQ. So, if you want that book to happen, buy this book and like yell at DC that you want JLQ to happen. Nice. Uh, we don't know who that roster is in its entirety, but uh, oh shoot, um, Aqualad. Oh, uh, um, well, Aquaman. Uh, Jackson Hyde. Jackson Hyde. Yes. is is featured in this story as a part of it. Yeah. The Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, number one, coming out at Image, written by Kyle Starks with art by Chris Schweitzer. Uh, We love Kyle Starks on this show. Yes. Uh, This is about a uh, difficult-to-work-with action star who turns up dead, and basically everyone would be happy with that. Uh, So his six actors who have played his sidekicks have to get together and solve the mystery. All right. And finally, Eve number two and a second printing of number one. Written by Victor Laval, art by Jomi Young, colors by Brittany Peer, and letters by Anworld Design. 
Yeah, we just we enjoyed the first one so much. I wanted to make sure people knew that a second printing of number one was going to be out this week in case you missed it. Uh, and number two is going to be out. So definitely pick that up. I think that does it this week. Brian, you got anything to add? Nothing else from me, sir. In that case, we'd like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. Panelology is a member of the Certain POV Network. If you're looking for other cool podcasts about popular culture, go to CertainPOV.com. I'm going to say check out Fun and Games with Matt and Jeff because they just got credentialed to cover E3 this year. Oh, very nice. Yeah, so uh, if you're looking looking forward to some video game coverage over the next couple of weeks about that, uh, start with them. They're both great people. You can visit us at panelologypodcast.com, support us at patreon.com slash panelology, get merch at bit.ly slash merch, capital P, capital M, or send us questions, comments, or whatever at bit.ly slash mailbag, capital P, capital M. I'm Alex. And I am Brian. Go read comics. CertainPOV.com Video games are a unique medium. They can tell stories. Immerse us in strange, fantastic worlds. Blur the very boundaries of our reality. But at the end of the day, video games are fun. Whatever fun is to you. I'm Jeff Moonen. And I am Matt A.K. Stormageddon. And on Fun and Games, we talk about the history, trends, and community of video games. It's a celebration of all the games we play and all the fun we find within them. And there's so many more games out there. So we hope you'll share in that conversation with us. Fun and Games podcast with Matt and Jeff. Find us on certainpov.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And happy gaming.